The disrespect you have for LeBron James is sickening. It's not. No, it's not disrespectful. Yeah, no, nah, you're, you're disrespectful. You're dis- like, literally, you are. This man <laughs> is, won you a championship. Dis- and you go, this is in LeBron's head. Oh, dirk, 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 I'm just going to take another all-star. You don't, you don't deserve LeBron James. All right? It's insane. And you deserve exactly what happened to Chicago over the past decade. Oh! <laughs> So, if you watched Space Jam... Bro, you're not comparing Space Jam to real life. Let's just redirect this conversation. Do you want Russell Westbrook or not? I I love this podcast. What's up, guys? Mike here, back with another episode of the Laced Up Podcast, and I'm here with... Get Like Coop. Get Like Coop and Flight Mike. What's up? What's up, everybody? And today, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, but of course, the NBA Finals just finished, and Giannis just dropped 50 points. Thoughts? Amazing. I mean, I mean, cool. Go ahead. Uh, all right. I think he summed it up. I think he summed it up well. That's your turn, Mike. Um, I think it was the greatest performance that I've ever seen in NBA Finals history since probably. Well, not the greatest performance. The most dominant performance I've ever seen in the NBA Finals since the days of Shaq on the Lakers. Like fifty points, over ten rebounds. Like, what did he have? Six blocks, five blocks? Like, I haven't really seen that level of dominance in the modern NBA in quite some time. I hope I'm I hope the comment section doesn't destroy me for like recency bias or anything like that. And it was very refreshing to watch a power forward or a big man dominate the game the way Giannis did. And it was really nice to see him really dig deep and carry the Milwaukee Bucks to a NBA championship, mainly because, I don't know if you guys remember, but the Phoenix Suns were the team that were favored in this situation. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, just cra- a crazy series from Giannis, just a phenomenal playoff run. Giannis comes out, averages 35 points a game in the finals, gets uh, grabs 13 boards, and, you know, shoots 61% from the field. The thing that was so devastating for Giannis for me is just he killed you with efficiency. Like, you knew he was getting a good look every time he touched the basketball. And not only was he getting great looks, he became somebody that you couldn't foul. You couldn't put on the free throw line. Shout out Ben Simmons. I'm really sorry, Ben. I had to say that. In the final game, in game six, to close out the series, Giannis goes 17 of 19 from the free throw line. After getting criticized by Chris Paul for his poor free throw shooting, you simply couldn't put the guy on the line. And if you can't put him on the line, then he's... he's, virtually impossible to stop yeah yeah and like did you guys see that tweet where uh Giannis was going on on about how like you know he's missed back-to-back he's missed back-to-back free throws and like close out games like in clutch games he's airballed back-to-back free throws he's he talked about all of, like you know the failures he's had at like the free throw line and he's like you know I've already been at the bottom there's the only way to go is up from here you know and we we saw that even throughout these playoffs. Like, if you look at Giannis's free throw numbers, I mean, he's like inconsistent. In game five, he shot four for eleven. So to rebound from a four from eleven, four for eleven performance, then to go seventeen from nineteen, really shows that he has that kind of mindset where it's just like bounce back next game. Like, you know, we saw with Ben Simmons, I don't know, you know, drag Ben too much here. He's gotten a a lot of dragging, but, you know, we saw like he's he's wasn't making his free throws and that made him timid 
that made him not want to attack as much and that made him inefficient while Giannis you know if he missed a few free throws it was okay you know he still kept attacking the basket he was relentless and by the end of this series man all right we've been hyping up DeAndre Aiden rightfully so DeAndre had an incredible playoff run up until these last few games but by the end of this series Giannis was so in DeAndre Aiden's head like he just DeAndre did not see any of this coming it felt like I mean he just Giannis put on an absolutely historic performance the last three games dropping a fifth dropping you know historic moment after historic moment and closing out the finals with 50 points man was unreal so my thing is is that i just can't believe the phoenix suns let Giannis go for 50 like if i'm especially when brooke lopez and drew holiday were a combined two of ten from the three-point line and pj tucker literally only shoots out of the corner it's not like they had great shooting support. They kind of left DeAndre Ayton on an island to die with Giannis in game six. And I'm kind of shocked that Monty Williams just let that happen. We've seen the wall have success in years past. And um, it's just like, yes, DeAndre Ayton is a good defender. Yes, he can slow down Giannis at times. But if you see Giannis is rolling... Why not try throwing more defenders at him? And I'm not talking about like the little double teams that we've seen earlier that we saw earlier in the series. I'm talking about walling up, making Giannis be a playmaker, disguising your rotations. I just feel like Monty Williams really let me down in game six. You know, I was talking about this on the live stream last night. Shout outs to those that showed up to the live stream last night. But it's really unfortunate because in the past we had so many excuses for Chris Paul. He got injured at the at the wrong time. Scott Foster had his number. He didn't really have a good enough team. The Golden State Warriors, like all of these uh, excuses. And now I can look back at Chris Paul's career. If this was the only time he was ever to make it to the NBA Finals, I could look back at the man's career and say, hey, like. He had his chance. He had his opportunity. His team was favored for crying out loud. Like, I think the Phoenix Suns, even though the Milwaukee Bucks won, I felt like the Phoenix Suns had the more complete team. You know, like from every single part of their roster was remarkably built. I can't think of a way to like even improve this roster. You have a former number one overall pick in DeAndre Ayton that was slowly developing. You had great two-way players in Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder. One that already had NBA Finals experience from the year before, by the way. Then you had a remarkable, transcendent Hall of Fame playmaker in Chris Paul with a tremendous basketball IQ. And you had a bucket getter in Devin Booker that you could depend on in those situations where you desperately needed points. And it's just really, I was looking at it and I think the thing that really screwed over the Phoenix Suns was just the lack of adjustments. I think it may have been a little bit of head, uh, a little bit of their coaching and it wasn't even to an egregious degree. It wasn't like Monty Williams lost them the game. It's not like his coaching was, I don't know, borderline incompetent. But there were just some adjustments that I was like sitting there and I was thinking, why aren't you making these adjustments? Like Giannis literally had the ability to waltz into the paint. No one was bumping him. No one was helping DeAndre Ayton. Bear in mind, DeAndre Ayton literally came into the league three years ago and you're tasking him with stopping 
a two-time MVP that has been in the NBA for the past like eight years. Like, I don't know. Um, I feel like there should have been some adjustments made. Um, and as a result, the Suns lost. And it really sucks for a player like Chris Paul because I genuinely, and we'll get to Chris Paul's future in a second, but I genuinely don't think he's ever going to have an opportunity to win a championship as a max contract player again. Yeah, but like, I mean, all right, like I get it. A lot of people were like, oh, you know, this is Chris Paul's chance. This is his chance. You know, no one's, no one is just supposed to be given an NBA championship. You have to go out and earn it. I don't care. This isn't like, you know, a, a career accomplishment, a career award. Like, yeah, he had a great career. He, you know, he did his thing, but he never was able to close out and win a championship. And I think absolutely, you know, looking at this game in general, Devin Booker really struggled down the stretch in the fourth quarter. If he plays well, maybe we were looking at a different story. The Phoenix Suns in general were absolutely horrendous from the three-point line. Six for 25 overall, all right? Looking at some numbers here, Devin Booker, eight for 22, 0 for seven from three. Jay Crowder, two for nine from three. You know, those guys, them struggling really, you know, paid, it made Phoenix, you know, they paid the price in game six. Chris Paul, 11 for 19, 26 points, five assists, three turnovers. You know, he... If anything, out of all the games this series, I would not say this loss was on Chris Paul. However, you know, earlier in the series, there were certainly a few games where Chris Paul was just, he was just lost. And it just seemed like, you know, the moment, it seemed like the moment got too big for him when it should never get too big for him. Because he's the one guy out there with the most like veteran experience, you would think. But if anything, you know, guys like Chris Middleton throughout the series stepped up. Like we saw Chris just down the stretch of um down the stretch of these games just you know close out games and Giannis was just a consistent force like just unstoppable one thing I will say is I'm very confused by the Suns multiple times multiple times would just back DeAndre Aiden up all the way all the way to the paint as if they were daring Giannis to shoot and like okay in the first two games Giannis seemed like he was willing to pull that jump shot but he stopped taking that jumper and instead would just take, you know, two, three, like take like two dribbles and have a full head of steam coming right at DeAndre Aiden and was consistently scoring on that play. I mean, yeah, that's when we talk about defensive adjustments. It's like this isn't working out. You can't be just backing DeAndre Aiden up all the way to the paint. Wasn't working. Um, so one question I do have for you guys is. With Giannis's dominance in these NBA finals and in the playoffs in general, shout out to Giannis, honestly, because going into these finals, going to these playoffs, there was a lot of people that were saying he's not a playoff performer. Throughout this entire playoffs, the narrative has changed so many times. We saw Giannis has no bag. You know, Giannis just, you know, he can't win a championship. Giannis is Scottie Pippen. He's not Michael Jordan. And now, boom, we've got one of, you know, the like one of the all time who knows where it exactly ranks, but. At the end of the day, you know, this is going to rank up there with all-time great NBA Finals performances, um, at least somewhat up there. Where do you guys have Giannis in terms of your top players in the league now? In give terms me, of my... Give me, ahead, number, give me number one. Number Screw one. It. Give me number one. Wow. 
it's it's really hard because like when you mean top players in the league, do you mean like a player that is like clearly in terms of skill, like compared to other players? Like, or are you saying players I guess that I'll say want to like, build yeah, a top player? Who is your guy that you like you're taking, you know, this guy and then you're building your team around him? I'd take Luca over to Giannis. For one for one season. Oh, for I take Luca over Giannis. Um So you have Luca as your best player in the NBA right now. That's I feel like uh, that's that's why I hate this question because like what's it's, it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's 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 because no I mean I hate this question because I feel like two years down the line this is for sure going to be like Luca over Giannis hands down right now I think Luca's a little bit worse than Giannis just a little bit but in about a year or two or in terms of who I'd want to build my team around it would be Luca because his skill set is so much more um all around and he could do so much more but Giannis gives you that um gives you an added edge defensively but he is a little bit of a liability when it comes to scoring on the perimeter but we just saw a team with a good interior defender not being able to keep him outside of the paint like one of my biggest issues is I couldn't believe that the um I couldn't believe that the Phoenix Suns didn't even go to a zone up against Giannis. Like, something very basic, like a 2-3 zone could have potentially, like, helped them again. Or, like, some sort of variant of the 2-3 zone could have potentially helped them give the Bucks, like, give the Bucks a different look or something like that. Um, but to answer your question, I take, uh, um, I think I take Luca's number one, Giannis is number two. Okay, and Kevin Durant or Kawhi or LeBron, where are those guys? Um, They're not. Lu- it goes. It goes. Luca number one, um, Giannis number two, KD, uh, KD and LeBron. I feel like are very even because, like, th- again, different skill sets. Kevin Durant is a better scorer than LeBron. LeBron makes up for that lack of scoring and playmaking that Kevin Durant, I don't think, is as good at. Um, although he did have one game during this playoff series, uh, during the Brooklyn Nets playoff series against the Bucks, where he went full Magic Johnson when he played like 48 minutes during the entire game. Um, I would say, and this is me just projecting a drop off in production and an increase in production, obviously for Luca. I would say, um, third would be Braun a little bit more than, uh, uh, third would be not, sorry. Third would be KD slightly over Braun. Then fourth would be LeBron. And then fifth, um, uh, fifth is tough. Um, fifth, fifth will probably be Steph. That's a, that's a tough list. I don't know. It's, it's so hard for me to compile this list. Yeah. When you got five guys, (laughs) six guys that are like that good, it's like, at the end of the day, there's no wrong answer, I guess. Yeah, I would say we're in a, like a good spot in the NBA in terms of that, where I, like there is no clear cut number one. Maybe that's not a good spot, but it's definitely a unique spot because we've been living in a world where you know we've got we've had LeBron for so long. It's like okay, LeBron's the guy who's number two, and you know consensusly he he was the number one guy and so now we're kind of in that transition period where it's like okay well now who's the next number one guy and there are several players that you can make an argument for you could definitely make the Luca argument the Giannis argument you know the Kevin Durant argument you can make the Steph argument who knows next season a lot's gonna change and if this season you know Kevin Durant's uh if Kevin Durant wears like a few few sizes smaller of a of a sneaker you know, who knows? Maybe we're saying Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA. But so 
So here's the thing I will say that I could say with confidence because my list, like, that's something that I could be very iffy on. I'm not as strong about, but I will say that out of Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Giannis Anetokounmpo, um, and Giannis Anetokounmpo's career, hell, even if you compare him to players like Michael Jordan or Shaq, at the age of 26, he's had the best career so far when you're comparing them, when you're comparing him to those other players that I mentioned at the age of 26. Like Michael Jordan, when he was at the age of 26, he only won one MVP. He had no NBA championships at that point. LeBron had two uh, two MVPs, didn't win any championships. Shaq had nothing, no, no MVPs, no championships, nothing of that sort. I think it's really, and Giannis kind of said this last night, and I don't know if we took this as a shot at other uh, at other teams or a shot at Braun or a shot at super teams, but he came out and he said, like, I could have gone to a super team and I could have won a championship and that's easy. You know, anyone could do that, which is kind of like a shot at LeBron and a shot at KD. But he sat, at, he sat Pat in Milwaukee and won a championship in Milwaukee with Chris Middleton, Andrew Holiday, and Coach Bud. Like, <laughs> and yeah. uh, that's that's an achievement in of itself. And I think uh, there needs to be a certain amount of respect for that because he didn't go and join a 73-win team. Obviously, LeBron was in a tough spot, but it's really difficult to do, uh, to do what Giannis did. Um, what do you guys think about what he said last night? Um, I, I would say... Uh, you go, you got it. I was just gonna say, I, I might just short and sweet. I was just gonna say, I agree. I think those championships with like the same team, especially not like joining another team or joining a super team, I think they hit a little different. Like Dirk's championship for me is like a special championship that's kind of like in a tier of its own. And now Agreed. you have Agreed. Giannis and his championship, which you could say. I'm not going to say it's a tier above that, but it's definitely up there too. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with tiers. I mean, the thing is, um, I think I think Bill Simmons was the one who said it with MVP title like trophies. Like he said, like he like wished that like MVP trophies basically came in different sizes. So it'd be like, okay, well, like this like trophy was like, you know, like, oh, it was like elite competition, you know, and that one might be three times as big as, you know, maybe Jokic's this year because, you know, of injuries and stuff. So it'd be kind of funny to like, you know, compare and contrast like, oh, what, uh, you know, championship trophies meant the most, but it really is cool to see Giannis who keep in mind, you know, a lot of people gave him com a lot of shit for re-signing because a lot of people were like okay like what's going on in milwaukee really do they actually have a legitimate shot at winning a championship with this roster in place i mean and those doubts led all the way up until when game five because think about it like literally up until like four days ago five days ago those doubts were still there the suns take a two to nothing lead people are going suns in four. Oh look you know, like, you know, Milwaukee cannot hand can't handle Phoenix. Even when they win one game, it's like, okay, you know, two to one. And then they win two the series is tied. It took all the way up until, you know, Milwaukee winning game five for there to be real believers in the Bucks. And then game six, boom. Now we have this whole completely different narrative of, you know, Giannis went out and dominated, which he did. It's incredible. It's incredible to go and see a player rise to the moment as much as he did. Now, I do want to state that I think that 
these uh this whole like Giannis has accomplished more at the age at this age than Jordan and LeBron while technically true I find it kind of hilarious that this just so happens to be the perfect age for Giannis to have won this championship um and ha currently hold the lead over Michael Jordan and LeBron James because both Michael Jordan and LeBron James at the age of 27 and 28 would go on to win both the MVP and a championship. So if Giannis at the at the age of 28 is still ahead, then all right, then like, you know, I say like, okay, we're talking, you know, that's that's a big thing, but like LeBron his 27 and 28 years were 2012 and 2013 Miami Heat, he won the MVP both years, he won the championship both years. Michael Jordan he uh 91 and 92 uh you know he uh you know 91 92 seasons mvp championship and jordan would of course go on to win another championship and complete the three-peat so yes technically you know Giannis is ahead but like again if he holds that lead after the next two years i would be more than impressed because lebron and jordan both are you know won the championship and mvps at 27 and 28. So accountability time for me is uh, I was one of those people, and I think my video on it is still up, that said that Giannis Antetokounmpo just made the biggest mistake of his career by signing with the Bucks. And like in hindsight, you can't really how the, blame how, me. How the views do? <laughs> uh, oh, no, no, they, were, they, they did well. There were a lot of dislikes, and most people thought like I was just very pro him going to a large market, but... My argument was I felt like he was way too quick with his decision and way too emotional with his decision. And he should have waited to see what the Milwaukee Bucks did or at least sign a shorter term contract um, if he wanted to win. But then over time, I kind of realized that, OK, he has a family at Greece. He grew up in a like he grew up in a very low income situation. So it makes sense that he would want to sign a super con uh, max contract and you know take care of his family. But. Then you had the Milwaukee Bucks give up like two first round picks, Eric Bledsoe, and two pick swaps for Drew Holiday, which, again, great player. We got finessed. Say what? Yeah, that finessed. was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you guys finessed them, like, in my opinion. No, we got finessed. You think you got finessed? We I thought it was a great trade for you guys. 50%. We got those picks are going to be dirt, bro. Dude, and Eric Bledsoe, like, Eric Bledsoe, like, nothing against Eric Bledsoe as a man. But as a player, like, it just was, like, it was not working in the playoffs. Might have like, been the worst player in the NBA this season. Like, no cap. Like, literally, Drew Holiday, even when Drew's shot wasn't falling, like, that man was still making a difference on the court. You know, that's what we talk about. Dude, like, mm -hmm. okay, is your shot not falling? Are you not, like, are you not having a good offensive day? Fine. Make contributions elsewhere on the court. And his defense was always solid. And he made one of the defining plays in this NBA Finals, a defining play that now that the Milwaukee Bucks have won, that's going on championship highlight reels of like mm -hmm. all-time finals moments forever. Yeah, and check Stealing this out. the ball, like that was so sick. We're going to have to use a pick probably to get off of Bledsoe's contract too. So ultimately, like what are we left with? Like one pick that's going to be like in the 30s or like the super late 20s. I would take Drew Holiday back in a heartbeat, and I would try to trade him somewhere else to a team oh, that doesn't yeah. give Drew us. Oh yeah, Drew would have so much more Bledsoe. value. Yeah, like I, I love. Also, to have I feel Drew like Holiday Bledsoe, back. like if anything, like you guys are a young team with young guards. Like I would have liked to see 
Lonzo go through a full season without Eric Bledsoe on that roster taking Bro, he a was so bad, too. He was so bad that people thought Lonzo was having a bad season because of him. That's how yeah, bad Yeah, that's what I'm was. saying. That's why I'm like, that's why I, like, I feel like that kind of just hurts player development and hurts, like, your own scouting because you're watching NBA games with Eric Bledsoe sharing the court with these guys where it's like, that's not your actual future. Um, ultimately, and you guys could tell me what you think about this. This is going to be a little bit bold. I could be wrong, you know, and I'm not, I hope this doesn't come off as like me being anti smaller market because I think it's fantastic when players stay at their home markets and they win you're championships. A we all know you're anti smaller market. It's fine. I was actually really bummed out. Like there's a video of me like really crying out in agonizing pain when we traded D'Angelo Russell in a salary cap dump. So like I do like seeing players develop and I do like seeing them win at their home on their home roster. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is the only NBA championship Giannis Antetokounmpo wins with the Milwaukee Bucks a lot of his path and I don't want this to be taken as like me discrediting the guy you know because what he did was absolutely incredible like some of the games where he dug deep and really carried the Milwaukee Bucks or some of the games that Chris Middleton uh, bore some of the uh, weight on his shoulders and really helped the Milwaukee Bucks win were remarkable games, but people tend to forget like that game where they barely were able to beat the Brooklyn Nets, where Kevin Durant's foot was on the line was without James was with James Harden dealing with a hampered hamstring and with Kyrie Irving injuring himself on a block attempt by Giannis Antetokounmpo, might I add. And again, of course, the NBA is very unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen in a year from now or two years from now. But I think with all these teams in full strength, and this goes like 10 times over for the Phoenix Suns over the Milwaukee Bucks, I just feel like there might be way too much for the Bucks to overcome to potentially repeat next year, in my opinion. That's assuming, of course, that the Nets and the Sixers stay healthy as well, though, because you never know with Embiid, you never know with anyone on the Nets at this point, like especially Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So I guess we'll see in regards of that. I mean... That's kind of one of those situations where we can't predict the future. I feel like, you know, the Bucks are going to remain good enough to be in that championship hunt for a few season, more seasons. So, you know, you never know. They could definitely pull through again, make another finals. Whole nother run could happen. But what you just spoke about, the Phoenix Suns, and I think that gives us a good place to transition because headed into this finals and again, after two games, it seems like a foregone conclusion that they would bring Chris Paul back, you know, it seems like this was their guy. He was, you know, keep the championship window open for the next few years. Now, though, I mean, at least from the response that I'm seeing online, which, you know, cannot isn't always reliable. But a lot of people think that Chris Paul might be gone. And people are saying that now the Lakers, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers. Who are Here they we not go again. With? Who are they not involved with? But the Los Angeles Lakers uh, and LeBron James want Chris Paul as their point guard, and so Dude. now, what what do we think? Do we think do we think that Phoenix is going to commit all this salary cap to Chris Paul, an old Chris Paul, for the next like two three years, probably like a three years contract? Do Dude, we think he's moving somewhere? Yeah, I don't think I don't think Phoenix has a choice. If I'm Phoenix, I'm going all in on resigning Chris Paul, and it is what it is. Uh, Chris Paul possibly going to the Lakers is hilarious to me because at this point it's like, bro, like, what are we trying to do, Los Angeles? Like, run a retirement home or something? 
Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get Dwight back. Get Darren Williams <laughs> as your team's ball boy. What's up with Mike? What's up with Mike Corzemba and thinking everyone's going to the Lakers, bro? Like, I, I like I know you're a Lakers bandwagon and you love the Los Angeles. Dude, those Lakers, Lakers but- jersey swap videos just hit. People are really mad at those videos. People really <laughs> think they're tight. I'm literally waiting until they actually sign someone to ever post the Laker jersey. It's, it's become like an inside joke with my uh, with my uh, with my subscribers at this point. Yeah, your but... subscribers take it as an inside joke. My take it as a personal attack on their. Character. <laughs> it's like like they they understood when I like swapped Luca in a Lakers jersey. They're like, oh my god! But to answer your no, question, mine are literally like you are ruining your channel. You need to reevaluate everything you've been doing for the past. I'm like, all right, bro. This was a podcast clip. It's uh, so there. This story is developing because I am getting updates in regards to the story. First things first, we need to preface. Wait, you're this. getting As updates. A, I am getting you're, updates. You got, he's got a uh, man in his ear. <laughs> all right, so like, it, uh, I mean, yeah, my inside you know, sources. So according to Mark J. Spears, um, of the of undefeated there is a rumor in regards to two all-star point guards um the first one being chris paul um this one i am a little bit iffy on the rumor is that the lakers are trying to pursue a veteran all-star point guard the first player they'd be interested in is potentially chris paul um the way it would be executed would be via sign and trade And uh, Spears added that for Chris Paul to join forces with LeBron James for the first time in their careers, it would likely take a sign and trade with the Suns, though he noted that if the veteran guard does opt out, he'll likely sign a longer deal with Phoenix. So that's part one. And I think we should react to that before we get to part two, which pertains to Russell Westbrook. So what do you guys think of this rumor? Um, Personally, Chris Paul, in my opinion, is in a very unique situation. Um, And again, even though he didn't win an NBA championship, I want to give major, major props to him because I think the way he managed his career up until this point, nothing short but remarkable. A year or two ago, people were saying that he should take a pay cut and sign with the Los Angeles Lakers or for like the veteran minimum or something like that. Um, I think the fact that he's in a situation where he's either going to opt in with a team that he went to the NBA finals with and make 44 million or probably opt out and potentially sign a three year, $100 million contract. That's going to take him until like what that would take him till his age 39 season is pretty insane. I don't think I've ever heard of a player do something of that nature, but that Go ahead. I honestly think Chris Paul is like at the point where why settle for three years? Screw it. Go for four. Go for five. I think there's a team that's honestly desperate enough to get his services, especially after what he did this season with Phoenix. So, I mean, I, I just really can't see him opting in. If he does, like that's incredible because, you know, much respect. Uh, obviously, if he opts in, he really has bonded with that Phoenix team. Phoenix means a lot to him. He feels like they could continue to uh, do damage. But if I'm Chris, man, I, I think I'm opting out and I'm going to get that big bag. What do you think, Mike? Do you think uh, Chris I mean, Paul it depends what he wants at this point. I mean, I feel like all, I feel like he really wants an NBA championship. And, you know, he's made a ton of money. 
at this point in in time, I would assume assume that winning in the championship is gonna you know as long as the money is you know somewhat reasonable or re- not even somewhat reasonable, you know I could see him opting out. I mean, what we just uh, from that report, they said that if he opted out, that the that people expect him to re-sign with Phoenix from the opt out. So. Um, I guess we'll see, but I could see him sticking around in Phoenix. I could see him going with the Lakers. Lakers. I could see either happening because I really, if I'm Chris Paul, I'm going with what team I think ha- I have the best chance to win a championship on. And I think with the Phoenix Suns, you know, a lot more is expected of Chris Paul than what would be expected with him on the Lakers. Like you would have LeBron, you'd have Anthony Davis, and then you'd have Chris Paul. Like no one... Like when Chris pa- Chris Paul was, you know, struggling, faltering during the series, like a lot of the weight came down on him because he was expected to be one of the two all-stars on the team along with Devin Booker. You know, when you have LeBron on your team, the expectations fall on LeBron's shoulders, not so much yours. So I could see him going to Los Angeles too. I mean, we haven't really talked specifically salary cap, all of that um, in terms of how that would work out because... He does have a very large deal right now and is going to make a ton of money. So we'll see. Yeah, so with with uh, Chris Paul, I agree. I, it does come down to what he ultimately wants. But, like, I've seen no signs. He's shown me no signs, at least, of, like, willing, being willing to take a pay cut. I thought if he was willing to take one, it would have happened, like, maybe in one of these past years. But, you know, I guess there is that possibility that he really messes with the Suns or really wants that championship. But for me, I, I'd have to see Chris take one to, like, believe it. Yeah, until you see it, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting because this is a man that's made $344 million throughout his career and could potentially may add $100 million to that um, total. So imagine being LeBron James, right? And you're on the phone with Chris and you're like, yo, Chris, like, yeah, um, you've made enough money, you know, instead of making a hundred million more dollars take the veteran minimum or like maybe the ml or or like yeah Yeah. like i'm not i'm not taking that from lebron you didn't let me even finish i said take the veteran or the mle or whatever the lakers could give him take a pay cut and then come uh, join up with me is that really a pitch if i'm chris paul i'm going give me two percent in blaze pizza right now and then we got a deal two percent if I'm Chris Paul, I'm hanging up the phone if Bron tells me to take less money when he's literally trying to become a billionaire. So, yeah, so I mean, yeah, that's not something that I would even entertain if I'm Chris Paul, especially if my team made it to the NBA Finals, but it also depends on how realistic Chris Paul is about a situation. Like, no disrespect to Suns fans, and I know people are going to crucify me by saying for saying this and people are going to go to the comment section and say this happens every year, don't discredit them, but I don't think there's been a more easier path from the Western Conference to the NBA Finals in the past like decade than this year like if you consider that you had to go through uh the golden state warriors of the mid 2010s and the houston rockets and the fact that like this past year the nba the defending nba champions were injured uh they didn't have anthony davis and they all came together at the very last second then he went up against the denver nuggets without jamal murray they swept them 
Then he went up against the Los Angeles Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, and they barely beat them. Like, I don't really know how realistic it is to run it back with this roster and hopefully make a championship run or make an appearance in the NBA Finals. And the thing that sucks is I can't really look at the Phoenix Suns and say, hey, this is what they they need to acquire more talent because I think they're done with the talent acquisition process. I think they're complete. I think from head to toe, this team is like it has everything it needs to contend. Now they need to wait on the development of some of their players, possibly. Maybe Devin Booker needs to take an additional step. DeAndre Ayton definitely needs to like go, um, take a step forward in his development. Not that he's bad, but they're at the point where I think they have everyone and they can't really get anyone else to put them over the hump. I can't even think of a point guard substitution for Chris Paul. Coop and I were trying to do this, but Chris Paul, uh, Chris Paul is like a pure playmaking point guard that is like a glove in hand fit for the Phoenix Suns. He has familiarity with Monty Williams. He has a tremendous basketball IQ. So it's really tough because in this situation, I, I'm predicting that Chris Paul ends up standing pat and stays with the Phoenix Suns. Unless if there's like some sort of offer that the Suns can't refuse. I don't think Dennis Schroeder is something and Kyle Kuzma and Talon Horton Tucker and future picks. I don't even think the Lakers really have picks to give up, but anything of that nature is something that the Suns would even look at. So I think a sign and trades off the table. I think Chris Paul is going to be a son until he retires. I'm thinking Zion, Chris Paul, Brandon Ingram. And I'm thinking a hundred million for three years. I'm thinking I'm thinking that could be special right there. Especially since we're going after Kyle Lowry. Why not do one better? Why not go after CP three? Okay. <laughs> good luck. Good um luck. all right. So well, yeah, <laughs> obviously good luck going after any star being a small market. No crap. Good luck. Yeah. So so I mean you, you guys could, you know, maybe trade Ingram for uh for Dame or someone. So you don't think Chris Zion and Brandon Ingram would be special? That's what you're telling me? You didn't even believe in Ingram and Zion playing together. But they, that's without Chris. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> that's a lie. Oh, my God. We pulled that's clips. That's a lie. You have I told you I was face. joking and I like Brandon oh Ingram. I told, you I, said, I told you I was saying it for the clip. I oh told you that. Whatever you say. So, whatever you say. All right. So, all if right. you guys are if you guys are done with the Chris Paul portion, we could go to part two of this rumor. If yeah, Russell any, Westbrook. So according to Mark J. Spears of the Undefeated, um, the Lakers and the um, Washington Wizards discussed a trade for Russell Westbrook. So here's how the report officially goes: There have also been talks about Washington Wizards star Russell Westbrook being a potential candidate to move back home to Los Angeles in a sign-and-trade deal that could include free agent point guard Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, Ta and Talon Horton Tucker. Um, Guys, what do you think about this? I'm all for it. I've been all for this. All for I it. I want to see Russ on the Lakers. I want to see it burn, baby. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean you want to see it burn? <laughs> in Washington. Well, yeah. I yeah. think... If Russ goes, then Bradley Beal's gotta go because Bradley Beal, what, is expiring this this upcoming season, correct? Right? Or he has a player option the, the year after. Regardless, like he if you know he let's let's just check this out real quick. 
Bradley Beal contract. And yep, so he has a player option in 2023. So that means that already the Washington Wizards are on a clock that it's not going to work out. Let's just be completely honest here. Unless Bradley Beal is loyal to a fault, and I will emphasize to a Even fault. Even then, it might be in the Wizards' best interest to trade him. Yeah, like in the rebuilding. Wizards' best interest. Like yeah. Even if Bradley Beal is like, I want to stay, they'll be like, at this point, like it's not working out, dude. Like we, yeah. like we have not built a good enough team. They gotta pull a Kimba. They gotta pull a Kimba. So like, so we have two, you know, situations here. Uh, we talked about Bradley Beal and Golden State Warriors and all that last pod. So if you guys want to listen to that, you know, we we went all through that. We've talked about Russ to the Lakers before too, but so what do you guys think though, Mike? Like as a Lakers fan, what do you think about this? Um, I think Coop and I had a disagreement on this, um, when we talked about it in our pod, I don't really know how good of a fit Russ would be on this current Los Angeles Lakers team. I, I could imagine like in bronze head, he's probably thinking like, Oh, hurt the dur, another all-star that's going to make my life easier. This is going to be great. Um, the disrespect you have for LeBron James is sickening. It's not. No, it's not. Disrespectful. Yeah, no, nah, you're, you're disrespectful. You're dis- like, literally, you are. This man <laughs> is won you a championship, dis- and you go, this is in LeBron's head. Oh, dirk, dirk, dirk. <laughs> I'm just going to take another all-star. <laughs> you, don't, you don't deserve LeBron James. All right, it's insane. And you deserve exactly what happened to Chicago over the past decade. Oh! <laughs> So if you watched Space Jam, bro, you're not comparing Space Jam to real life. Let's just redirect this conversation. Do you want Russell Westbrook or not? I, I love this podcast. Okay, so I was I was getting to it, but you cut me off. Um, so I think in LeBron's head, he might be thinking, "Hey, like I might have another playmaker on my team." It really depends on what LeBron sees his role being this upcoming year. Like, is he willing to have the basketball in his hands a little bit less and allow Russell Westbrook to do some of the playmaking is he could he see himself in a situation where um, there's plays drawn up for both of them I think if it's executed properly it could potentially prolong LeBron's career but my issue is like I can't see a world where Russell Westbrook's playing off of LeBron James efficiently. I hope I'm wrong because I think it'd make a great story for Russ to come back home. He went to my alma mater at UCLA. It'd be really nice to see that work out. So the problem with uh, with Russ going to the Lakers is Russ is great, makes the Lakers better. But, um, you know, Bron isn't necessarily like a, a sniper from deep. He's a good shooter. I'll give you that. Uh, I, I don't know how much... I like Braun playing off ball like that. Obviously, he's approaching a, a later part of his career. And, you know, you want to see Braun more off ball because you're right. You want to preserve his career a bit. But if Russ goes to the Los Angeles Lakers and the Lakers don't address their shooting concerns, like, do the Lakers really get that much better? Teams would absolutely just crowd the paint against Russell Westbrook and LeBron James. It would just be a nightmare to watch, even from a basketball standpoint. And I love Russ. He makes teams a lot better. But, like, the Lakers have a shooting problem, and honestly, I feel like that should be first on their list of things to address. That Yeah, that's exactly what my concern was. It's like, I was going to bring up the three-point thing, but magically his three-point percentage went up to, like, the higher points of his career. Like, Russ always swings between, like, 25% from three to, like, 
32, 33% from three this yeah, past but year. 31, he, he shot, what, 31%? I'm thinking, I'm looking at 32, right now. 32, if you round 32? it up, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, that's not good. So, and then you you combine, so then you have LeBron on the, on the court who shot, you know, a solid 36.5% from three this year. League but then average. Anthony Davis, um, is you know he didn't shoot well he shot under 30 percent from three this year Ooh. so now you that's you know your five guys three of them aren't really great shooters and unless you get like already that's a problem in today's nba so yeah the fact that russell westbrook cannot shoot cannot catch and shoot and you know what going even further here um have you guys seen those videos basically just ripping russ's off ball movement now i get a lot of hate for you know ripping russell westbrook not trying to do that right now. I'm bringing up just a legitimate point. Russell Westbrook is very bad at moving off the ball. He's not used to doing it, and he's not willing to do it a lot of the time. A lot of the time, he passes the ball and stands 35 feet away from the basket where he's a threat to no one. It's the complete opposite of someone to like... be fair, I think a lot of stars do that. No, no, no. I was about to say, though, it's a complete... I wouldn't say a lot, and I would say... Uh, I'd, like I'd say a good bit. I'd say a you good still bit. no. You see guys like Dame Curry; they still are running off action. They those still pass, are they the, those are very rare. That's like that's very rare. And even okay, Dame, well, the whole point of what I'm saying is that in order to make a fit with Le LeBron James work, you have to be able to move off the ball and to you know be doing all that. That is not Russ's game. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's my point. So if you're saying like, yeah, that's rare. Okay, well then they need then. I don't think it's going to work if Russ is yeah, yeah, yeah. do those kind of things. And, you know, also, that's why I'm so high on Bradley Beal coming in and fitting on with another team. Because watching Bradley Beal play, uh, that guy is someone who's who hit you with the backdoor cut, who will... You know, Occasionally. I don't I don't know if Beal moves that much without the ball, too. I think he moves off the ball well for a superstar who's used to having the ball in his hands a lot. I think a guy like Bradley Beal is someone who could come in and can adapt to a more team-oriented system with other stars on the roster than someone like Russ, who has played with several NBA stars at this point and has never been able to adapt to moving off the ball. Yeah, I feel like shooters are more willing to move off the ball. And again, I will double down. I don't think a lot of superstars or star. Well, maybe some stars, but I'll say a lot of superstars don't do that much uh, movement. But I wouldn't say Russ is a superstar at this point either, though. That's why I'm saying he needs to adjust his game. Um, my counter to that. Well, to be, be fair, uh, I'm sorry, Mike, I, I cut you off a little bit. To be fair with the Houston Rockets, he did show a willingness to at least move a little bit without the ball that could, uh, with the Washington Wizards, maybe he was asked to do a little too much. Maybe, you know, the fatigue, uh, weighed on him a bit because he was doing everything for that Wizards team offensively. Uh, when he was out the game, the offense really wasn't moving. If you go back and, um, you watch some of Russ's, uh, Houston highlights, uh, a lot of times it seemed like he was the only guy that cared. And James Harden was actually the one that was like just standing around a ton. I watched a ton of Russ in Houston. So I, I think, I don't know. I, I think if he, if it really came down to it and he took and he was willing to take a lesser role, I feel like Russ might be able to adapt because uh, I, I just think at the end of the day, he's somebody that really wants to win. And I think he'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, that competitive fire could actually, you know, bring a huge change to Los Angeles for sure. You know, Russ coming in, like being hungry for that championship, like, I don't want to say the Lakers were, you know, completely like lackadaisical, but like 
the they fire. Were, no, they were. They were. Yeah. They were. You don't got to sugarcoat it. Yeah, they were, okay. especially LeBron. The fire that they had last season compared to this season, like, it just wasn't there. Okay, you know, like, so I got a stat for you. I got a stat for you. Russ shot 36% on catch-and-shoot threes. That's actually been the strength of his three-point shooting for a majority of his career. Normally, so where he gets in he, trouble. This season, he shot that? This season, yeah, he shot 36% on catch-and-shoot threes. Okay. So, uh, where he gets in a lot of trouble is those bad transition pull-ups that he loves. Yeah. He takes a lot of those. Also, he's an end-of-the-shot-clock kind of guy, which needs to be taken into account, where he'll put up shots that aren't great. So, yeah, surprisingly, um, yeah, he's a solid catch-and-shoot shooter. If he's knocking down 36% of them, 35.6, I mean, there's some big-time potential there. Yeah, especially with the he'll be getting more open looks, you know, with the LeBron Anthony yeah, Davis so effect. He shot twenty eight percent on pull ups from the three point line. Yeah, that's, that needs to go. That yeah. just needs to just chill. Which hopefully that w- they'd be able to do. Um, you know, if there's one guy in the world that would be able to, you know, and Russ, you know, had a great season this year. But if there's one guy in the world who'd be, you know, get Russ more into a winning atmosphere it would be lebron and i think yeah that, i i think it would be very interesting to see the two play together i think he needs a good coach too and if fogel is that coach i i'd hope so i'd hope so i think i don't know mike how do you feel about fogel as a as a coach for the los angeles lakers do you feel like he's that guy or just got the, just got a great roster around him and lebron james i mean i think uh I think he's the perfect coach for the Los Angeles Lakers, mainly because I think LeBron James is just going to do him offensively and he's going to kind of play the role of offensive coordinator and you can't really tell him what to do offensively. But I think he could what LeBron typically seeks uh, seeks in a head coach is a coach that could be more of a defensive tactician, make those adjustments and, you know, really point specific things out to him in the film room, which. Frank Vogel has shown that he's very capable of doing, and it's something that has always really impressed LeBron James. Something I wanted to add about what you guys were saying about Russell Westbrook is, uh, I don't know if this is relevant now, because obviously we're in a different age of the NBA, but LeBron James was able to make it work in a si- with a similar type of player in uh, as Russell Westbrook obviously not as great of a playmaker but a player that didn't necessarily succeed at shooting threes and a player that was primarily known for his ability to slash to the rim Dwayne Wade and I remember at the very beginning when Dwayne Wade uh, when he teamed up with Dwayne Wade people were questioning whether or not um, he'd be able to make it work with him because they both weren't necessarily known as uh, great three-point shooters um and I don't know if that's going to be relevant now because the NBA is way more based around perimeter scoring, but still something to p- uh, pay attention to. That I think and that- those are th- Wade, LeBron, prime. Compared yeah, Wade's to, a tier one Hall of Famer. Compared to compared to Westbrook, like out of his prime, and LeBron out of his prime at this point. I mean, I still think even though these you're talking, I know they're not in their prime anymore, but what LeBron James is doing even now is like as good. Sure. But again, we're talking about 2011 and 2012 LeBron and Wade compared to 2022 LeBron and Russ. Very fair. Very fair. I'm saying like, I think in his head, schematically, there is a way to make it work. Um, I think there needs to be a little bit more of a dependence on Anthony Davis. And I think the X factor for everything would be Anthony Davis. Oh, I don't know if you want AD as a number one option, but uh, 
I would I would love to see it. I think the X factor would yeah end up coming down to can Russ and LeBron hit their uh, hit their spot up threes. Because if you got, if both those guys are knocking down around thirty eight percent of those, then yes, then this does work. The court spacing would work because they would be two court spacers. All right, did you guys watch Space Jam one and two? Yes, I watched neither. But you never saw the first Space Jam. Well, I oh saw the first Space Jam, but not, not for the last ten years. Oh, I mean, still, that you gotta like get on movie. that. Like that was like a movie I watched. I think it was like my favorite movie growing up as a kid. Like I remember, like yeah, jumping up and sad. down, like go on and slam and welcome to the jam. It was like, it was um, it was, it was one of my favorite movies. Um, it was. Uh, Space Jam 2, bear in mind, it's a kid's movie, okay? It's a kid's movie. I'm going to say this over and over again. It's not oh made gosh. for dudes in their, like, uh, I don't 20s. know. I think that's a lie. I think that's a lie. I think it is. I think it was. Uh, I think it is a kid's movie, but obviously, uh, well, okay, I don't like saying obviously. A, a large part of their audience, I don't, maybe not a large part, a decent They knew their the audience, audience coming in. Yeah, they, they knew, they, like, a lot of guys are watching for nostalgia and stuff, so they mm-hmm. want to pander to that audience, too. Because the, let's be real, people aren't checking for Bugs Bunny in 2021. The Looney Tunes aren't what they used to be, right? A, a yeah. lot of these, uh, a lot of kids these days, they don't really care for the Looney Tunes. You know, they're on Roblox and stuff and Fortnite, getting new skins. Yeah, they probably crap. didn't even know what was going on, honestly. Yeah, so. Like uh, my ahead, fiance Mike? is a preschool teacher, and she's like, she said, no, none of the kids know who the Looney Tunes are at all. Like, not exactly. A one. And to add on to that, my girlfriend does not like basketball. Unfortunate, I know. She loved the first Space Jam. I mean, we actually watched it again um, two nights ago. Uh, this one, she really, really, really did not like. Yeah, there were like, here's the thing. I feel like LeBron really put himself in a situation where he can't win. Like, I'll tell you, the th- there were things that really made me feel uncomfortable. Like, the first eight minutes was literally a carbon copy of the first Space Jam, but sub LeBron James in for Michael Jordan. Like, they showed a little clip of LeBron James as a, cl- as a kid. Then, like, they did that, like, intro theme, only instead of doing, like, that catchy come on and slam and welcome to the jam, they did, like, some freestyle, I mean, not some freestyle, but some, like, other song that I've never heard of that pretty much glorified how great of a career LeBron James has had. Um, The soundtrack did not hit as hard for me either. I feel like the first Space Jam was filled with classics. This Space Jam had some good songs. But not a lot of songs that I feel like are going to be timeless to where, you know, kids listen to them and years down the line, they're like, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Also, um, I didn't like that this Space Jam was a painful reminder that we're in 2021. Uh, I Again, I know you say it's a kid's movie, so I'm going to cut them some slack. But come on, man. I deal with enough algorithms as is. Did we really... Need it like Al-G a computer rhythm. base. Yeah, like come on, man. <laughs> Algae rhythm. That shit. The 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 antagonist of the movie is a guy named Algae Rhythm. Um, I think it was oh, very. My God. It. I think it was very. Um, the plot was pretty. Uh, like compared to the first one. I think the thing that bugged me the most is it gets to the point where they're playing the basketball game and out of nowhere, like, you know, you see 
Anthony, like you see the, um, I forgot uh, who, uh, um, not LeBron's team, but the other team. You see all these players just generated from a computer. There wasn't as much of a connection to those players. Like I remember in the first Space Jam, like you see all these superstars and Sean Bradley lose their talent. <laughs> and Sean and, Bradley. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sean Bradley. <laughs> and, and like... You see them lose their talent and you're like, that's a storyline. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. like, wow, we got to get these players' talent back. But in this situation, it's like, oh, I, you know, I have to get my son back who's being manipulated by an algorithm. It's just like the storyline was so, uh, it was, and then like people say it's a kid's movie, but it's a kid's movie. And then you're making like Mad Max uh, references and Game of Thrones references. And it's like, you can't say it's a kid's movie when you're making like those types of references also. It's yeah. I feel like, um, unfortunately in the, t- like, uh, unfortunately recently, I feel like movies have been in, in a very tough spot. I feel like we're not getting like the classics like we used to. I feel like that with gaming too, obviously we're going to talk 2k in the future on the podcast. So for those of you that mess with 2k, we're going to, we got you guys covered, man. But I feel like just in general, like technology is heading to towards a place. I'll even say musically, um, and I like a lot, I love all the new music and you know everybody dropping. But I feel like um, back in the day, you had to be more creative. I feel like in the '90s, you had to be creative because you couldn't crutch yourself on uh, technology. You know, you couldn't crutch yourself on graphic enhancements. And I, I feel like that's the easy avenue that a lot of these movies, that a lot of these games. Um, take unfortunately so you know what i feel like uh, like just space jam in general i haven't seen the movie but you know a lot of my friends and you guys um also asked my friends um but <laughs> what know. and you guys my friends also you guys and you guys and you guys also you guys my bad my bad my bad anyway a lot of a lot of my friends though in general and um you two schmucks um, we, uh, schmucks! What the hell, <laughs> y'all? Urban Dictionary. I've never been called a schmuck in my life. I will fly to you and smack you. Yo, what the hell? I, I oh get called out for my fandom. I, I get called a schmuck. All right. what anyway, the, anyway, anyway, anyway. A, a lot of people have been, you know, hating on this. Someone who is more than an idiot. <laughs> I'm this- gonna smack the. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> this oh is exactly God. why the I Bulls have been trash over the past two decades because of the oh verbal abuse. <laughs> more than an idiot. I don't even know That's what it says on Urban Diction. That's you just so call great. people schmucks and you don't know what it means. You just leave it up to the imagination. I just know. I know it doesn't mean anything good. <laughs> I know that. But, um, all right. Help anyway, us. regardless, regardless, when it comes down to Space Jam, when it comes down to any of this stuff, when it comes down to Grand Theft Auto, when it comes down to everything, it's. You're right. People had to be creative in the 90s. I feel like now studios are so not willing to take risks. They just want yeah. to go with what has already worked and repackage it. And yes. they're that's what they that's what they want to do. So instead of having LeBron in his own new kind of style, like of course we have to be, you know, it ha- of course it has to be exactly Space Jam and the new generation of Space Jam. It cannot be its own just completely new thing it has to be like oh space jam lebron edition where like it's going to be held to the highest of criticisms because every we all remember the original space jam is something that we all loved and that we all have a ton of nostalgia for and yeah for sure i mean again didn't see it but if they're making game of thrones references and stuff like 
they knew that a lot of their audience was going to be the guys, the or, or girls, or every you know the kids that grew up with the original Space Jam that were going to come and watch the second one. Sure, they're going to be you know a new generation of kids watching it, but they knew that their audience was going what it was going to be, and it sounds like it was just a failure in terms of how everyone's perceiving it from around our age. So I would be curious though, like how kids are enjoying it, because. That's, I feel like that is the difference is that, you know, like, like, you know, older people that like watch Space Jam 1, maybe they're all disappointed, but I'm curious, like what a kid's take on it would be. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, I said it again. Okay. So I'm, I'm not like, uh, I'm not a kid. Right. But I, I like enjoy kids movies. So I feel like, well, I, I guess that doesn't make sense, but I enjoy a lot of kids movies and, um, like I watch a lot of them with my family and my girl and uh, they have some very unique scripts. I feel like kids movies, unfortunately, are like some of the best written movies out nowadays. There was one movie uh, from Disney or Pixar called Soul. And I was like, oh, wow, so this good. might be the best movie I ever watched. Right. It was insane. So good. That movie it was so good. good. Like I'm actually going to so watch good. it again tonight because it was that good. So, like, I know there are concepts and I know there are writers out there that can create original ideas that are still good. But unfortunately, I unfortunately, I feel like it's like it's like, OK, we've got LeBron, we've got Space Jam. How can this fail? And so I feel like, yeah. when you do that. It's like you you slip with the script because you're like, OK, like we've got all this stuff. You don't focus so much on like, okay, let's make sure the script is airtight. Amazing. The movie like soul, it's like you're going in with the audience goes in with no expectation and you have to create a buzz based on how good your movie is. All right. Like if that movie is not well received by critics, by the public, right at first, it just dies and loses a ton of money. All right. Space Jam, no matter what is going to get a certain amount of viewers no matter what. It's the same thing as a lot of the Marvel movies, you know? Some of the Marvel movies come out and they get absolutely roasted by critics, say this is horrible, this is horrible, blah, blah, blah. You go look at the box office numbers, they made a ton of money. It's, you know, what's really... It's kind of funny because the way this was made kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, like the Fast movies, not to roast a whole franchise, but like when you go or like... Any Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie. When you go to watch a Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie, right, first of all, not... wait, what what was it? Uh, Jumanji. Jumanji was great. Jumanji. I, I don't think I no, saw. I that. mean, I really yeah, enjoyed, I mean, I enjoyed I, the I first mean, Jumanji. I'll check look, that out. I'm not saying I'm not saying that it like I'm not saying that the I'm, movies I know are bad. bad. My bad. But... My bad for cutting in. No, it's okay. I'm not saying that his movies are bad. It's just like you don't go to watch Dwayne The Rock Johnson for his incredible like acting skills. You know, you go and watch Dwayne The Rock Johnson in a movie because you like Dwayne The Rock Johnson doing Dwayne The Rock Johnson things. And I think they, yeah, the action part or like, you know, his charm or his charisma, stuff like that. And I think they try to do that with yeah, I mean, I go for his charm. Like, the dude is likable as hell. Like, there's a reason why he's, like, a top five Instagram page. Like, yeah. in this situation, I feel like they try to do the same thing with LeBron, where you're going to watch LeBron be LeBron in a movie. And then there were some really superficial aspects to it. Like, the acting wasn't... I think I enjoyed Michael Jordan's acting a little bit better. Um, 
And then on top of that, what really just bugged me and what really made me feel uncomfortable was the fake movie family. And yeah, if they if they if the fake movie family made a cameo, okay. Yeah. But the movie was so much about this fake LeBron James family that I know like his family aren't actors really, but I just don't think that was the angle to take. It clearly was- seemed like that. Go ahead. In the first, in the first phase, in the, in the first Space Jam, did they use Jordan's real family? I don't, I don't know. They, I, I don't know it. it. But the yeah. thing is, what I will say about that again, not having watched the movie, I keep prefacing this. However, so I, but if the move, if they were involved a ton, the difference between Michael Jordan and LeBron is not only does social media make them, uh, his family more relevant, but LeBron constantly has his family in everything you know he's going taco tuesday you know he's going family dinners lebron's family is very well known because of his social media presence and because he makes them well known so to see them i'm assuming like to see him with a completely different family was probably pretty weird because you've been seeing him in his real life consistently you know being like oh hey what's up you know taco tuesday like you know we're chilling with the fam it's funny because, yeah. like, uh, that's I think Taco Tuesday is the final thing LeBron says in Space Jam Two. Oh, also, man. Like, it's, it was no, like, I don't re- know. No way. <laughs> yeah, it's like like Bugs is like, hey, can we come over for uh, for uh, t- Taco Tuesday? And then out of LeBron's uh, out of nowhere, LeBron's like Taco Tuesday. Uh, I don't know. Like, if you ask me, I feel like LeBron James could have went about this in a different way maybe seek out characters that the modern generation resonates with a little bit more like you saw rick and morty made a cameo rick and morty made a cameo in space jam um what maybe yeah it was it was bizarre there were just so so much of an over that is like an 18 plus cartoon too that's not even close to a kid's cartoon yeah, it's just there was a huge dependence on pop culture. And uh, again, it's a movie, you know, LeBron's going to have some hits and he's going to have some misses. I would have liked for him to touch like leave the Space Jam IP alone. I don't think it made any sense to even go near the Space Jam IP because like you guys said, the Looney Tunes aren't nearly as relevant as they once were. There were some funny jokes like when Porky Pig dropped a freestyle, I laughed and I thought that was pretty funny, but... Then, like, you get to the actual game, and they're not even playing basketball. They're playing, like, some sort of, like, weird, like, NBA jamish version of basketball that his son son created. LeBron, like, you don't really see... they. And the thing that bothered me the most about the movie is what they did to Lola Bunny. Why did you have to do that to her? They nerfed like like they uh, nerfed. Tom. If you could like Tom, show like Lola Bunny before and Lola Bunny after, so they could. Yeah, they literally nerfed her. No, no, I remember that. I remember reading an article that they did not want to sexualize her. Is that what you're talking about? Is that what it was about? Yes, uh. like yes, absolutely. They literally did not want to sexualize Lola Bunny. They were very worried about it. I mean, I guess I'm just from a different time, I guess. Like, I wasn't looking out, like, 12, 10-year-old Mike wasn't looking out at Lola Bunny and saying, I, oh, my God, me, Lola me, Bunny. Most people weren't, but I also think that they're, that they're you know, there are those weird internet sites. There's this weird internet everything, and uh, I think they were very concerned about that, maybe more than they should have been. I forget 
uh i don't know i now, i know some commercial I know I th I actually am like positive it was like some insurance commercial had like had a cartoon that was like you know a girl who was like you know I don't even know they had a girl cartoon and the there were so many pictures of her like people like edited her like naked and they had to they closed the campaign they literally turned they stopped it because they were so disgusted by it. So that's what they but were like, worried about with Lola Bunny. Unfortunately, like, I feel like people will do that with anything, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. people are yeah, like. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um. What's that thing where you could? Um. It's like a thing where you take a celebrity's face and it looks like exactly like them, and you can make like a digitized version oh, of yeah, them. Deep faking. Deep faking. Yeah, that's becoming a thing now. So that's that shit. That shit is scary. Yeah. Like the yeah, fact yeah, that it's already looking pretty almost real. Like how real is that going to look in 20 years? We're just going to be watching videos being like I have no idea who what is real. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's getting really uh, apparently like it's getting really hard to uh tell if something's a deep fake or not. And uh this could this is something that could definitely tear down the fiber of our like society. So I don't know. I feel like no matter what, there's going to be weirdos like that as, um, yeah, I think there's going to be weirdos like that that would do that to Lola Bunny, I guess. It was, I don't know. I, listen, was, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm passing on the news. You asked why she was nerfed. I read articles, like I saw articles pop up about that headed into the, headed like four months ago. I, I know I saw that they were making a big focus to, you know, make, not do that. Uh, all right. It's weird. Well, it's for sure weird. I'm just saying that's what I read. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, do you guys have any closing thoughts? It's going to be a wild off season. Yeah, there's no way LeBron moved to Los Angeles for that, though. He's done very good stuff. Like, he's done very, very good stuff. Like, that under, his uninterrupted series, I'm a huge fan of. You know, there's some, again, just like we're YouTubers, there's times where you put out content that, like, crushes it. And then there's times you put out content that isn't the best. You can't now you're always. defending LeBron James. Now you, that this is where you stand on my light joke. To de finally defend LeBron James. Wow. What do you mean? What do you mean? Wow. It's, I mean, he's had some hits. Uh, I don't think this was one of them, but I don't think like every single production he's ever put out was a failure. But yeah, yeah. nobody does. I, I wanted to also mention, guys, we have recently made a Twitter account. Um, this is probably the best way to ask us questions and to stay in touch with us, um, especially because currently at the time we're making this, we have about 300 followers. So if you tweet us questions now, there's like a 100% certainty that you will get your questions featured on our podcast. It's at Laced Up Hoops. And also, if you happen to be a Laced Up Gold member, we are going to be planning a live stream just specifically for our Laced Up Gold members in the upcoming weeks um something that we're working on in addition to merchandise and eventually gaming streams is something that the guys want to get into we want to play nba 2k and probably the first people we're going to be doing nba 2k and gaming streams with are going to be our laced up gold members so a huge shout out to our current members um brandon scott off the bench tv and ray Gian. Um, definitely going to have to give you guys, uh, we're definitely going to have to get you guys in a couple of those streams once we start streaming. We're going to be tweeting out more from the Lace Up 
Twitter account because we want some questions. We definitely want to engage with you guys more. But other than that, peace. Later, guys. Thanks for watching. Peace.